Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. My name's Brian. I'm your trusty principal. And it's wonderful to see you all. This is the first time, I think I'm right, um, in chapel since March last year. And uh, as Kamwende was praying, we, we just hope that uh, this will c- continue. Uh, Ridley Chapel is a highlight of the college, as was also mentioned a few moments ago. And uh, the, w- there are several distinctives about the chapel that some of you won't be so familiar with, possibly. Uh, there's a bit of Anglican stuff seeping in here and there, so you'll, you'll have to put up with that. And in the end, uh, you'll still be putting up, no, no, you'll really like it. <laughs> so you'll see the point. Uh, the other thing is that most of our preaching, not all, some of our preaching is topical, but most of the preaching in chapel is what we call expository. So we're looking at one book or a series of passages and we preach through those passages, um, not just talking about their interpretation, but impl- applying them to our lives. There are real benefits to that. Uh, just a quick plug for that way of preaching. Um, it uh, forces you to learn new things as a preacher. You don't just go to your old favourite passages and your hobby horses, even though we have many of them, I'm sure. Uh, but it makes you look at the whole counsel of God. It also teaches people how to read the Bible. So when people hear something that's a really good sermon, they don't say, oh, that Brian's brilliant. They say, oh, the Bible is brilliant, yep. which is a much better outcome. And then uh, the other thing is you get a variety. So you, uh, you get different... Uh, forms of literature and uh, different emphases, and uh, it can be very valuable. Uh, We're doing the book of James at the beginning of this semester. So the faculty are going to preach to you from James. I've got the first three sermons this week on James chapter one. And James is a fascinating book. It's kind of hard hitting. Uh, It's very practical. There's lots of amazing metaphors and similes and images. It's got rich theology. It's kind of a wisdom book in the New Testament. And it's one that uh, you don't hear a lot of sermons from, but I think and hope that you'll find it really valuable. Um, How many of you are here for the first time at Ridley College in the chapel? Or first time at Ridley this semester? Quite a few of you, so that's great. Welcome especially to you and welcome to to those who are returning. I'm not sure how you feel about the semester ahead. After the traumas of 2020, uh, 2021, uh, we were hoping would be turning over a new leaf And I think rather naively, we thought, yeah, good riddance, 2020, 2021, bring it. And uh, then we found out, well, actually, there's a lockdown 3.0. And uh, some of our colleagues actually went north for holidays, rushed back and were 14 days in isolation. And uh, holidays were cancelled. And there's there's always the threat of us not being on campus again. So we, we kind of face the year ahead and this semester in particular with high expectations, I hope. Uh, you're uh, committing a lot of your resources, time and money to be here, and that means you, you're, you're really motivated, which is a great privilege for the faculty to teach people like you. Uh, maybe you've got some anxieties about the semester ahead. You've already been told about the assignments and you're thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to get this done? Uh, although most of you are too naive to think that far ahead. You're, you're still, <laughs> still just enjoying the novelty of it all. Uh, but you might have some fears also. So I think to frame the sermons for this week from James 1, I think we can think about it this way. In 2021, uh, there's something to expect, something to remember 
and something to do. So today's sermon is Here Comes Trouble, uh, something to expect, namely trouble. Tomorrow's sermon in the middle of James 1 is about the goodness of God, something to remember. And then on Thursday, uh, it's about something to do, namely to obey God. So uh, pretty straightforward. Now, uh, what should we expect then in 2021? Uh, Well, verse 2 puts it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So what we are to expect is trouble of one sort or another. And James says we should count that as pure joy. Now, that really is a moment where we say to ourselves, say what? You know, how do you how do you approach our troubles that way? Um, because for two reasons, we have problems with this. The first is we expect success in our lives, uh, generally speaking. And then the second is we're not used to thinking that an emotion can be uh, commanded. We think that emotions are just kind of instinctive and bubble up of their own will. So how can you command an emotion and how can you command the joyful emotion when it comes to trials? First of all, we expect success. A few years ago, my younger son, Toby, finished uh, primary school and they had a kind of graduation at primary school where the teacher for each class would stand on the stage and each child would be introduced and come across the stage to a huge round of applause and the teacher would say something nice about them and uh, predict their future. (laughs) And it was very interesting. There were quite a few music and movie stars in Toby's class. There were world leaders, captains of industry, inventors, politicians. It was extraordinary. And uh, interestingly, there was not a single office worker or tradesman. (laughs) Uh, Indeed, the advertising for many schools, especially the expensive private ones, is that our children can all be exceptional. Yep, just think about that. Can we all really be exceptional? Um, And I did a quick sample of five uh, expensive private schools in the city of Melbourne. They all use that word in their marketing. Uh, The message is actually reinforced when on the radio you uh, uh, hear, um, is it still a term used? You know what the radio is, right? Um, (laughs) When you hear on on the wireless, um, an actually exceptional person being interviewed. There there are exceptional people out there, Not, not too many of them, of course. And the exceptional person basically gives the impression that if you just work hard and follow your dreams, you can be exceptional too. Yep. And of course, it's rubbish. Uh, The person's exceptional for all sorts of reasons. Most people work hard. And the idea that you'll get there following your your dreams is uh, not that helpful. But we do have this incredibly optimistic view given to us by our society about the future in our lives, that we can all follow our dreams and uh, find great success. Science and medicine also are thought of as solving all our problems. So when the pandemic hit, we were all expecting it to be over pretty quickly. And uh, um, it, it wasn't, of course. But notwithstanding the amazing advances in medical science and uh, technology in our lifetimes, all human lives are nonetheless marked by serious illness heartbreak, tragedy, loneliness, grief, opposition, injustice. That's what it means to be human. And if we think otherwise, we're kidding ourselves. 
So we will face many trials in our lives. Uh, And trials of many kinds, James says in verse 2. Some of these trials will be because we're Christians, some of them simply because we're human beings and the world's not the way it's supposed to be. James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. So can you command an emotion? Now, a lot of preachers and Bible readers get to this kind of thing and they see joy and love being commanded and they think, look, this is an emotion. So it must be uh, joy really here. It's not so much an emotion as an attitude. Yep. And love's not so much an emotion. It's an act of the will. Have you heard, how many of you have heard a preacher say something like that? Yes, quite a few. It's rubbish. So, So basically... Joy is an emotion and love is an emotion. Sure, it le- it, it's also an attitude. It, it, it should lead to action, but it is an emotion. The problem is we tend to think of these emotions, to use a technical term, in a non-cognitive sense. We think that they're just instinctive coming up out of nowhere. Most people in the social sciences in the 21st century think of emotions as cognitive. So you think a certain thing and it will lead in most cases, to feeling a certain thing. There's a whole brand of uh, counselling based on this, cognitive behaviour therapy. So joy is a cognitive emotion, and we see that in verse 2, because it says, consider it pure joy, verse 3, because you know something. Yep, we're meant to know something, and then that will lead, hopefully, to us experiencing pure joy. Even in verse 1, the way James introduces himself is a way of telling us to know something. He calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus, his brother, by the way. And uh, he writes to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So he calls himself a servant, which gives him a rather high status, I think, uh, because he's probably thinking of Moses and David, who were also servants of God. And he also accords his readers a high status. They're the people of the last days, the 12 tribes scattered Uh, probably Jewish Christians living outside of Palestine. The main thing to know, though, in order to experience pure joy in trials is that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then the apostle says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we can face our trials and troubles with joy because we know they bring invaluable benefits. Perseverance, maturity, not lacking anything. So there are great benefits, friends, if we can pull this off. But let's be honest here, we're not good at facing trials with joy. My my usual response when I face a trial or a trouble is to pray for its removal. Yep, and I don't think that's wrong, actually. I mean, that's a lament response, and we should petition God when we're in some kind of trouble for deliverance. There's no problem with that. But we should also let the trouble do its work and pray that these benefits will come from it. Now, I found the second half of last year the most difficult for me. Um, I had a sinus issue that uh, wouldn't go away and meant I was depleted of energy for some couple of months. And I had a back issue, which meant I had trouble sitting at my desk, which is not great for my uh, uh, occupation. And during that time, I have to say, I don't think I considered it joy, let alone pure joy. Yeah. So it's a great challenge here for us, isn't there? How can we face our troubles um, realistically, 
but with pure joy. Now, thinking back, I think such a time in my life did lead to a re-evaluating of my own adequacy, um, of, uh, of, of realising that uh, I didn't really have it all together, because measures of success do lead you to think, you know, I'm managing this pretty well now. So what happened was, such a time of trial in my case, I think did have some benefit because it decreased my trust in myself and increased my trust in God. Paul talks about something similar in 2 Corinthians 1. He says that uh, he went through a particularly difficult trial where he felt sentenced to death. And he says this, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And he's got this wonderful description of God who raises the dead. So there's a real encouragement there if you're feeling um, that down, that you feel you're under the sentence of death, to remember that uh, God raises the dead. So as we face 2021, we should face our troubles with joy. It's not going to be easy. I'm not pretending that. Uh, but it is something that we should do. And the whole passage that we're reading today is really about those troubles. So James, just a, a kind of tip for reading James, it feels like a bit of a uh, potluck, uh, one idea after another. He, it, it's like he's constantly distracted, squirrel. <laughs> and uh, um, he distracts himself almost. But the truth is there's actually more coherence to James when you have a close look at it. So listen carefully as we read through it. Uh, not just today, but in the future coming weeks. Now, the next passage, verses 5 to 8, are all about asking God for wisdom. But that's not a different topic. I think what James is saying is that finding joy in trouble is a tough ask. And what you need to do in order to do that is to find wisdom. It takes real wisdom to find joy in our troubles. So very often, this is kind of an Instagram verse or two in here, isn't it? Uh, um, you've got, uh, you imagine on Instagram, uh, you could write, uh, ask God, he gives generously to all without finding fault. Beautiful, eh? Just completely torn out of context. Or you might find, when you ask, believe and don't doubt. Yep. So on their own, they're kind of nice, but uh, in context, you've got to read them carefully. I think the general point is probably true, but specifically in this context, it's got to do with wisdom in dealing with trouble. There are really two commands so far in our passage. The first one is in verse two, consider it pure joy when you encounter trials. And then in verse five, ask God for wisdom. So you kind of want to put those two together. Ask God for wisdom so that you can uh, experience true joy in times of trial. So to make his point, James offers us an image in verse six, and he does this repeatedly, uh, uh, almost psychedelic at points, and uh, lots of mixed metaphors, so it's gonna be fun as we weave our way through them. Uh, in verse six, he says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. So here we have uh, James could have said, when you ask, just be sure that you're steady and constant. Yeah? Now, that's just not as good as saying, don't be tossed around like a wave with the wind. You see how that's much more powerful? But the same point's there, isn't it? So he wants us, when we ask God for wisdom, to not doubt that God will give 
the wisdom. Uh, The good news is that God gives wisdom to deal with life's troubles to everyone generously. That's a great encouragement, isn't it? He gives that to all of us generously, not just to the PhD students here, nor to the master's students, let alone to the faculty, but to everyone. Even if you're doing a humble diploma, he gives you uh, wisdom to cope with your trials. In fact, in many times, uh, people in such circumstances are better at receiving such wisdom. So, uh, one trouble, so if we go on to verses 9 to 12, uh, have I finished there? Yes? If we go on to verses 9 to 12, thank you, you'll see that uh, what we have here is James anticipating how some of his readers might have felt about their trials. One of their trials was probably, if we do what we call mirror reading or reading between the lines, probably one of their trials was poverty. And poverty is a real trial. Yep, not having enough money, and uh, to put it in our terms, is a very difficult circumstance to find yourself in. So to give some encouragement and warning about that issue, because it is a real trial, he says in verse 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. So the rich are transitory. They're going to just pass away. We need to look at our world with spiritual eyes and have our eyes open because it's very easy with all the materialistic advertising in our society to think that the, uh, the, uh, uh, the purpose of life is um, a second home or a nice overseas holiday or a nice car. There's an encouragement to the poor here. <clears throat> and as we'll see through James, he returns to this theme. There's also a warning to the rich. Now, there's some debate in the commentaries, and I'll leave it to my colleagues uh, to sort this one out because I still can't make up my mind. Is this a warning against the Christian rich or is it against the non-Christian rich or is it kind of applicable to both? Um, So I'm trying to demonstrate for you. You don't have to know the answer to everything because I don't know the answer and uh, I'll just move on at this point. (laughs) So, Now, the other thing to say about riches is that no one thinks they're rich. Everyone compares themselves with the people who are just a little bit better off. Peter Costello, the longest serving Australian treasurer, tells a story where he brought in a new tax. And uh, then he had a meeting with Kerry Packer, one of the richest men in Australia. And uh, at the end of the conversation, Peter said to Kerry Packer, "Um, I think you can afford this tax. And Kerry Packer said, I'm not rich like Bill Gates, you know. <laughs> so uh, that's what we do, isn't it? We, we tend to compare ourselves with those who are just a little bit uh, better off than us. Verse 12 finishes off our passage and offers a blessing. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. See, the whole passage has been about trials. We open in verse 2 with trials. We're closing with verse 12 in trials. Having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there's great blessing promised to those who pass the test. And the test here is a pass-fail test. Yep, you'll either greet uh, troubles with pure joy and benefit from them, or you won't. 
Uh, God, in a sense, is compared to a gardener, a parent and a metal worker in other parts of the New Testament to make this very point. God uses an unpleasant uh, experience to bring about something that is valuable and good. So he's like a gardener, not like me, but like a real gardener who prunes the vine, which is not that pleasant for the vine. Probably taking the metaphor too far at this point. Um, for the benefit of the vine's growth and fruitfulness. God is like a metal worker who uh, burns off the slag so that you end up with pure gold. And God is like a parent who disciplines their child in order that they might come to maturity. Friends, the same sun hardens the clay and melts the wax. And that's what we're after, isn't it? We want to be melted by our inevitable difficulties, trouble and trials that will, if not this year, come to us in many years to come. We test you on all sorts of things here at college. Uh, the test we're looking at here is much more important. So that's the one we want to really stand the test with. I'm not interested at whether you get a high distinction or a conceded pass, and neither's the Lord. The Lord wants to know whether you pass the test and the reward is great. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So friends, in 2021, let's ask God for wisdom to face our troubles with joy and let's attempt and do our best with his help to pass the test that really counts. Amen.